With the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the Foxhole. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jason Searle, and on behalf of Cape and Smen, we thank you for joining us in the Foxhole. Our men's faith formation groups follow the example of serving a God, Father Emil Cape, and a priest from Kansas, who lived the gospel in a simply daily life, all the way through his heroic actions on the battlefields in the prisoner of war camp in Korea, where he eventually died at the hands of his captor. Although Father Capel was ordered to safety during the Battle of Insan, his response to accompany his men during the battle that ensued and their subsequent capture resulted in Father Capel becoming the most highly decorated chaplain in the United States Army history. The Foxhole's been honored to host guests who are making a difference in their communities, families, and their faith circles, and we explore how they, just like Father Capel, are doing the simple things in extraordinary ways. This week, we're honored to have Dave Kelly, who joins us from his home in the Woodlands, Texas, where he's a parishioner at St. Anthony's. I met Dave a few years ago in Arkansas at a small Capon's Men retreat. And Dave and I had shared similar interests, and I was keenly struck by Dave's faith, which manifested itself at a quiet strength. Through the weekend, I got to know Dave's passion for his family, all things outdoors. And before we left, Dave to the op- took the opportunity to share what the weekend meant to him. And he shared his faith journey with us that he had recently learned from, which involved a dire health scare that some of us or our loved ones have experienced, but many of us haven't. It was my hope that Dave could share how his faith helped him through this trial and maybe shed a little light on the lessons learned and how the Lord is always seeking a deeper encounter with all of us. Before I go, I want to remind everyone that you can find all our resources at capensben.com and watch all our free faith formation series at form.org. Please share this podcast with any of your friends and neighbors via any podcast format that's out there. Joe's going to lead us with a prayer here in just a second. And before he does, I just want to thank you all for your support and for spreading the word for Father Capon's canonization. That's what this podcast is all about. Joe, Dave, good morning, brothers. Thanks for joining us in the foxhole today. Good morning, good morning, Jason. Thank you very much for that introduction, and thank you for everyone, for whoever's on a live call this morning or those who have downloaded this podcast. I'm going to pray with you today, but I want to do it a little differently than we've done it in the past. You know, I got up early this morning before the sunrise, and I was just sitting here praying and thinking about how beautiful and, and incredible this day is. And I was praying through the book of Psalms, which is the, you know, the prayer book of the church. It's the prayer book that Jesus himself even used. And Psalm 91.14 kind of jumped out at me. And it says, Whoever clings to me, I will deliver. Whoever knows my name, I will set on high. So let's pray right now. And I want to know that everyone on the call and everyone who downloads this, my prayers are for you right now. So in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I just invite you into this day. I invite you, Lord, into our hearts. I invite you into our businesses, our families, our communities. Um, God, I just pray that, that we can we can really cling to you during this time, cling to you in a new way today, that we can um, just be close to you. I pray, God, for those people who are alone, who are sick, who are worried, 
who have job instability, God, those who are anxious, God, those who are just nervous about the future, I just pray, Lord, that we can be assured today that you know our name and that you, Lord, will set us on high. I pray, God, for Dave as we open up this call. I just pray that you give him the courage to speak the words that you desire to hear him speak, God, and I pray that you give him the wisdom to know how to articulate his story. God, we know that sharing our story is one of the most important things we can do, not so much for us, but for the people we share it with. And I just pray for him and for his family and for um, all those on this call, again, Lord, and all those who will eventually download this podcast. Um, we ask all these things the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Man, I am honored to welcome a good friend to the podcast. His name is Dave Kelly. And Dave has been, uh, in the short time that I've spoken to him, he's just got this fascinating story. So I'm, I'm going to start with an, an unlikely place. You know, yesterday I spoke with Dave, and he was a little groggy and a little, uh, even a little foggy. Uh, he had just gotten back from a hunting trip in the Arctic. And I am fascinated at this point. This season of my life, I've become fascinated with hunting. So, Dave, if it's all right with you, I'd love for you to do a quick little intro of kind of who you are. And then if you don't mind, share a little bit about what the wilderness has meant to your faith, fishing and hunting. Because I know I'm finding these little spots out there um, where I begin to even see more of the glory of God. So welcome to the call. I'd love to hear a little intro of you. And then I'd also love, Dave, um, just to hear a little bit about hunting and fishing and where you've seen Jesus in that. Thanks, Joe. Uh as Joe and Jason said, my name is Dave Kelly. Uh, I live in the Woodlands, Texas. I grew up in upstate New York. Uh, I've been married for 34 years to my wife, Linda, who's the rear admiral of the uh, family. Uh, I have a son, 26. I have a daughter, 24. Uh, I currently work for a hazardous waste and industrial services company uh, managing uh, the uh, day-to-day transportation and disposal requirements for many of our clients and customers. Um, regarding the wilderness and hunting, uh, Joe had asked me yesterday uh, to think a little bit about what that meant to me. Uh, and uh, as I've gotten older, I've gotten far more interested in the wilderness and in, in hunting and in, in nature, etc., uh, and it's funny, uh, you look back and you reflect, uh, and many, many recognitions of mine become past tense, uh, understanding. I, I realize them after it's happened. Uh, and, uh, one that came to mind, I'll share real quick, uh, was in 2009 when I first started bear hunting in Alaska. Uh, and, uh, a question that I asked that I really couldn't answer until I realized who told these animals to do this. Is, uh, is a, is a, is a little story that I've, I've, I've given to other people. Uh, and I think there's probably a couple of guys on the call that have given this to. And that is, who told the brown bears to eat the yellow flowers? Uh, I was bear hunting, uh, in Alaska and, uh, the, these brown bears, they eat all these salmon, half alive, half dead, to, to load up on, uh, on a fat source uh, for hibernation. And as a result of eating half alive and uh, alive salmon, etc. They develop these tremendous tapeworms in their stomach, and you can see it in their scat uh, as, uh, along the rivers, etc. And all that. Uh, and everyone knows that bears hibernate, and these bears hibernate for about four to six months a year. Uh, and uh, going into hibernation with a tapeworm uh, would kill the animals. There would be no brown bears. 
And I asked my guide that, and he said, oh, there's this yellow flower that blooms only in early fall that these bears eat, and it has an alpha toxin in them, and it uh, kills the tapeworm before they hibernate. I didn't realize it at the time, but God told the bears to eat these yellow flowers. They only bloom in late September, and for like two weeks a year, right before the bears hibernate. Uh, didn't realize for a couple of years, but that's that's the higher power at work. That was one of the first big examples that I saw in uh, traveling in the outdoors and et cetera and all of that. So, uh, but the wilderness to me, besides that, is just uh, uh, it's it, it's it's a place to get away to see in every corner of the earth that I've been to how God has really made this world for us. Uh, and for our wonder, um, uh, Dave, that's that's beautiful. Now that's that's good stuff there. I mean, the Arctic or Alaska or the the, the beauty of the outdoors. It just I think there's a call in masculinity even to return to the outdoors. You know, we're in offices all day long and air conditioned spaces, and I think you going out and doing it is pretty pretty impressive. So I want to I want to shift a little bit into your faith because Jason mentioned it in your intro. I know a lot of people on the call are really curious. Um, just share a little bit of your faith life, Dave, with us about kind of how you came to faith. And then uh, you mentioned you're a little in a different season now, but even how that has played out uh, the last few years. So I was raised Catholic, fully confirmed First Communion, etc., by uh, Irish and German Catholic parents. Uh, as I became older in life, uh, my, my faith became very perfunctory, uh, checking the box, so to speak, going to church whenever humanly possible, saying my nightly prayers, making sure my children are baptized and, uh, have a first communion and, and, and be fully confirmed, etc. And, uh, it was more of a perfunctory, uh, uh, behavior of mine, uh, I always had my faith, but it was always, God was always there when I would kind of need him kind of a thing, uh, is the way I perceived it. Uh, getting into my health a little bit, can I jump into the health uh, at this stage of the game now? Hey, Dave, you are totally in charge at this okay. point. So, uh, look, you've been in Alaska hunting bears. You're much tougher than me, so you, you're going to be driving this thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm just uh, along for the ride. Very good. Uh so uh, my wife and I moved from upstate New York to uh, Texas uh, fully in 2017. And uh, as a result of that, I needed to, uh, in November of 2017, I needed to uh, uh, develop a relationship with a primary care physician down here. Uh, and that usually comes with, before even the first meeting, uh, a, a, a panel of blood work, uh, routine blood work for a man my age. Uh, I uh, had the uh, blood work drawn, and that night uh, I received a call from uh, the doctor's office saying that uh, I needed to see a urologist right away, that my PSA, which uh, stands for prostate-specific antigen, uh, was uh, very, very high. Uh, I would find out later that uh, they couldn't get a recording on it. Uh, And... uh, that I needed to see a urologist right away. So they gave me a few names of a few people, uh, and uh, I uh, 
went to a, a urologist up here, uh, I think four or five days later. Uh, he took more blood work and uh, performed a uh, digital exam on me. Uh, and uh, after that happened, uh, I turned around, he looked at me and he said, you got prostate cancer. Uh, we haven't been able to get a PSA reading on you because our, our, our testing calibration would not uh, achieve the number. Uh, I pegged the meter, so to speak. He said, your prostate's supposed to be the size of a walnut and soft. It's as big as a golf ball and it's as hard as a golf ball. Uh, we need to, uh, we need to, to get some imaging on you right away. Um, parallel pathing that, I have a very influential brother who's uh, second in charge of the third largest law firm in the world who had a large office down in Houston. Uh, and I reached out to him and a partner in his firm. Uh, his wife was a, uh, an upper-up oncologist uh, at, uh, at MD Anderson, one of the cancer centers of the world. And uh, lo and behold, four days later, I was uh, sitting with uh, the head of the Gento Urinary Group, one of the heads of the Gento Urinary Group at MD Anderson, Dr. Sumit Sabuti. Um, that was the afternoon of November 15th, 2017. Uh, they took some blood work from me that morning. Uh, they were able to get a PSA reading on me, and my PSA was 218.8. Normal for a man my age would be 0. 0.4 to uh, 3, 2, something like that. Uh, and a reading as high as that indicates significant metastases throughout the body. Uh, my wife and I asked him a bunch of questions. He gave us a lot of straight answers. He told us in the next two days they were going to image me and uh, perform a, a myriad of tests on me. And two days later, on the afternoon of Friday the 17th, we'd get back together again, and uh, we would discuss the findings and go from there. Two things may happen. Number one, uh, the prostate cancer may have not left your prostate, and you will be referred to one of my surgeons, and you'll be cured. And then we spent the next hour talking about metastatic prostate cancer. He asked, as did all the nurses, as did all the other previous urologists, if I had lower back pain. And they kept on asking me that. And I, I didn't know why. I came to find out why. is because prostate cancer moves from your prostate to your lymph nodes to your bones, specifically your pelvis. Uh, and at that point in time, after he had asked me that a few times, I was in denial uh, because I did have lower back pain. Uh, I had lower back pain for like the last six months. Um, my wife and I attributed it to the fact that I'd lived 45, 55 years uh, on a uh, joisted floor house instead of a concrete pad house. Uh, our feet were a little sensitive to it, uh, as well as our lower back. She had a little lower back pain for a while, but it went away. Uh, mine did not. Uh, so that's why he was asking me those questions. He asked me a bunch of other questions. We asked him a bunch of questions uh, as well. Uh, his best guest estimate was uh, for my mortality, uh, based on the information that he had at the point at that point in time, was between five and twenty years. And I know after doing a reading for the next two days of legitimate sources that uh, he was being kind to me, saying twenty. So the test started sun up to sundown from Thursday, and uh, we came home Thursday night. And uh, I'm a pretty intuitive guy, uh, and consequently, I was in a tremendous 
state of anguish and despair. And the evening of Thursday, November 16, 2017, I laid in bed in complete agony, and I prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I said, you do with me what you will. And it was the first time in 10 days that I slept, and I woke up the next morning, and for whatever reason, I went to the bathroom in the powder room of our house and not in our, uh, not in the bedroom. And as I walked to the powder room, my back pain was gone. And it's gone to this day. That morning on Friday, I was scared to death. I, I, I didn't believe it. I, I didn't even tell my wife. Uh, this was three hours before the final scan, which would have been the bone scan on in the morning of Friday the 17th of 2017 in November. We went to the do- we went to the hospital. I had my bone scan. Another eight hours of anguish, waiting around. I was the last patient to see Sabuti because he moved me in as a friend, as a favor to a friend, and his his administrator could see that uh, my wife and I were in such anguish that she pulled it, pulled us into his office early and said, you know, I just can't let you guys look like this. We have some tremendous news for you. And I, I fell to the floor uh, and uh, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I, I praise the Lord. I praise God uh, as I do, as I do to this day. Uh, about five minutes later, Sumit Sabuti walked in and he looked at me. And he said, obviously, you've heard the news. Uh, this is, you know, great news. Uh, we, uh, the, pro- the cancer has barely left your prostate. Uh, it's trace level, perhaps trace levels in your lymph nodes, maybe. Uh, we, after we, my wife and I pulled ourselves together, we started asking him a bunch of questions. Uh, silly ones like, are you sure? Uh, other ones like, have you ever seen this before? Uh, his two days prior, he was basically telling me it was in my bones, it was in my lymph nodes, and he was not afraid, going to be afraid to send me all over the world for experimental treatments and all that. Uh, so we followed up with a bunch of questions with respect to that. Uh, have you, has MD Anderson ever seen this before? Uh, and, uh, to his knowledge, MD Anderson had seen someone expressing PSA and physical symptoms on Wednesday, uh, on the day, be- on a couple of days before imaging to, to final, you know, initial prognosis. They'd seen that once, uh, and it, uh, in the 40 some odd years that they've been handling thousands of people a year, uh, with, uh, uh with, with prostate cancer. Uh, we kept on asking him questions over and over and over again, many different ones, and if he said it once, he said it five times. You are truly truly, truly unique. And then I think the fifth time he said that, he stood up, he walked over to me, and he hugged me. He hugged me like a brother getting off a plane from a war that would hug another brother that was untouched. And I realized at that point in time that God Reduced, tightened in his field to a hug. 
And for me, that was a, that was my life changing moment with respect to how I look at everything in life from my children to my wife to the sunrise in the morning to everything. Uh, Dave, I mean, like, whoever clings to me, I will deliver. Whoever knows my name, I will set on high. Man, I, Dave, I, I have a little bit of a follow-up question because that story, I, I'm all choked up over here. Um, but I, I, I would, when you hear news like that with your bride, I mean, I know you have an older son. Like, How do you lead a family through that? I mean, how, how do you, because I'm sure for you there was like, the big questions, like how how's my family be taken care of? How can I, like, what do, do you mind sharing a little bit of just like the that personal anguish you struggle with before that moment in bed? Because here I can't even imagine praying that prayer. Like, it's such a beautiful prayer and a prayer we probably all should pray more often, which is God, do whatever you want with us. But break that I was open a just, little bit for it. My mind was reeling, uh, just absolutely scrambling of how much time do I have left to make sure everything's going to be okay when I'm gone? Uh, and I, you know, this all happened in the span of a week and, you know, it slowly sets in on you and you, you just become engulfed in this despair, uh, anguish. My children were living at home at the time. One was away at school and the other one was working in, uh, uh, in Cleveland. Uh, uh, and so, uh, they, they did not see me in this state, but uh, I was just preparing for the eventualities that were soon to come uh, as best as I could. And it was very, 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 very difficult. It was a, you know, emotionally destroying three or four days, five days. Uh, I, I prayed as much as I could. I just, I was just dumbfounded. Uh, it just, it's a, You're just walking around with so many things going through your head as far as personal family responsibility. It uh, it was uh, it was troubling. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, it was uh, nothing like I've ever experienced before. It was uh, humbling, uh, is, is another word. Uh, you know, you realize uh, that uh, things don't go on the same way they do forever or imminently at all uh, it, uh, it was uh it, w it was tough no i i can only imagine and i know i do a lot of work in talking about what it means to be fully alive and i think you you mentioned your your marriage and you know your family and kind of how this really almost refocused you or changed kind of your the way you looked at the world around you w would you dave for me just kind of open up what it means now for you to be fully alive, like, and then maybe even what you think about when, when you hear those two words. So I know that's been a part of this. So what does that look like for you? Being fully alive to me means cherishing every moment that you have with your family, your friends, recognizing that the greatest power in the world that we can't even barely comprehend directs you and many times you don't realize where you're supposed to be directed but then after the fact you have a tremendous amount of peace from it being fully alive to me means 
getting up in the morning and uh, going about my business and uh, uh, spending a lot more time praying and spending a lot more time being aware of the people around you and being empathetic to their concerns as as I probably wasn't in the past uh, and just being fully alive to me, to be honest with you, means being a lot better person than, I, than I've done in the past and trying to be the best person that I am going forward. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's that's beautiful stuff there. So for the man listening to this call who maybe is in a similar situation or has had to deal with some, some – um, and currently, as you and I both would attest, the world is a place where everything is uncomfortable and uh, anxious right now. Like how would you speak – encouraging those men to embrace this fully alive life, even in the midst of chaos and fear and anxiety? What are some words of advice you might give to them? Well, first of all, being fully alive is just right there. It's a a matter of just seeing it. Um, Seeing everything around you, the people around you, listening a little better on what they say, and why they're saying what they say, uh, and recognizing that God's moving us to where he wants us to be, uh, and he's moving you to where he wants you to be. Uh, and sometimes you may fight it, sometimes you may embrace it, but being fully alive is a recognition that God is always there. Yeah, so... I also feel, Dave, that when we become fully alive, like it gives our bride the opportunity to be more alive and our children. And how have you seen those changes? And you mentioned that beautiful story at MD Anderson, Doc hugging you, like that's a big deal. How have you kind of encountered that as you've become more alive as a result of this, the changes in those around you? Have they, um, what? I think my my family's become a lot closer uh, and, uh, We've become a lot more cognizant that uh, through 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 my example and and, and through my wife's deep deep faith uh, that she's always had that I perhaps for years prior well not perhaps but did not have uh, as deep a faith moving forward recognizing the fact that God moves us to the places that we're supposed to be. We, we've become a much, much, much closer family as a result of this. Um, and it's primarily because every, my children has always looked at me as the leader of my family. Uh, and uh, I, uh, not that it's a monkey see, monkey do thing, but uh, I hope I've been a much better example. I clearly have been a much better example uh, as, as far as as far as bringing faith to my children from 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 my experience. Mm. That, yeah, see, that is, and I, I think this is a call, like I'm feeling a, a call even in this call with you, Dave, for all the men on this call who are married, you know, I tell my boys, we always want to, we want to marry up, you know, and our, and our wives with these deep faith holding things together when we're not totally there, we pray more for our wives as a result of this. Dave, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and I, I'm just honored for your vulnerability and your authenticity and sharing your story. Um, I want you to know I'll be praying for you, and I know all the men on this call will as well. And what I'd like to do is invite you to pray for us, and then Scott will come in on the back end and begin to close it down. 
But I just want you to know, again, we're grateful to have you. We're grateful you're here, and um, praise the Lord for you, because uh, you certainly are more fully alive, and it's fun to watch. So say a prayer for us, and then we'll head towards Scott. Will do. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. I love you, Lord, my strength, my rock, my fortress, my Savior. My God is the rock where I take refuge, my shield, my mighty help, my stronghold. The Lord is worthy of all praise. When I call, I am saved from my foes. The waves of death rose about me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The snares of the grave entangled me. The traps of death confronted me. In my anguish, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. From on high, he reached down and seized me. He drew me forth from the mighty waters. He snatched me from my powerful foe, from my enemies whose strength I could not match. Glory to the Father. Father Capon, please pray for the health of our families, friends, and country. And may the Lord's glory reign upon all his dutiful followers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dave, we're so grateful that you would take the time to join us today to pray with us here in the foxhole. Um, we're really humbled that you were willing to share one of the most intimate and uh, challenging times in your life with us. It was a very powerful story about the Lord at work. And um, I think in everything that you shared with us, from the bears and the yellow flowers to your own experience with the prostate cancer, it's a great reminder that we all need that God is in charge um, from... <laughs> From the big picture to the little things, and we oftentimes forget that. So uh, thank you for sharing that, and I think the challenge this week stems from that, and it's a it's a very simple one. Uh, each day to, to just offer that prayer that you prayed, God, do with me as you will, and maybe add, you know, help me to trust that you are in charge. So whether we say that once, whether we say that throughout the day, it's a, it's a quick, simple one, but God, do with me as you will, and help me to trust. What a beautiful prayer sets us in the mindset to, to watch for those miracles, to be amazed, as you said, to wonder at his creation, at his providence. So thank you so much, Dave, for joining us. We are very grateful. Our next guest here in the foxhole will be Adam Wright, who is the host of the Roadmap to Heaven show on Covenant Catholic Radio out of St. Louis. He is an avid listener of the podcast and often shares the stories with his audience. Uh, so he's excited to join us and be on the speaking end this time. Then on September 11th, we'll be releasing a very special interview with uh, Medal of Honor recipient and Major General Pat Brady. Pat was a helicopter rescue pilot during the Vietnam War who daily put his life on the line to save the lives of literally thousands of men. We can't wait to share the great conversation of faith that we had uh, with you, but we also want to reach as wide of an audience as possible for that one. So. If you appreciate our little conversations here in the foxhole, just take a moment to either give us a review or to share the foxhole with a couple of friends. Uh, you'll be helping our mission of encouragement and hope uh, to anyone, you know, trying to live their faith in, in a bold way in this world. So thank you for that. That's all we have today. Stay humble, stay courageous, and may Father Capen pray for all of us. Thanks for joining us in the foxhole. As we go, we're blessed to leave you with these words from Father Capon himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else 
which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.